Hi, this is Ella from the Delicious Ella podcast, which is currently in partnership with Dell. Focus on running your business instead of your IT when you have Windows 10 Pro. With built-in security, easy-to-implement management, and enhanced productivity to keep your business on the right track. And Dell Small Business Technology Advisors give you the tech, advice, and one-to-one partnership to fuel your business growth. Having grown our business from nothing, I know how important it is to have the right PC and how valuable, good, reliable advice is. To find out more about our business, come and have a listen to the Deliciously Ella podcast. gentlemen episode 10 of george ezra and friends the podcast episode 10 with the lovely sam smith um for those of you that are new to the show my name is george ezra i'm a musician i'm a singer i'm a songwriter and um this is my little podcast where i sit down with friends and other musicians to talk about what they do why they do how they do (laughs) and everything they've done to get to where they are today I myself recently released my second album, Staying at Tomorrow's, um, which is out there, which is amazing. I mean, it's amazing that it's out there. I'm not saying the, I mean, the album's great, it's good, maybe. Can I say that? Yeah. Years ago, Sam very kindly invited me to support him on an American tour, which meant that my first ever gig in New York was at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? I always say the only way is down from there. Um, but yeah, what an amazing opportunity and you know, I'm always extremely grateful that he, um, he invited me on that tour. Uh, and since then, you know, Sam's just been going from bigger to bigger to bigger. Uh, and it was, we were both playing in Birmingham two weeks ago and so I, I jumped off stage having sound checked and uh, jumped in a car and headed round to his venue. He invited me into the backstage area and we sat for about an hour and uh, yeah, just spoke about everything going on in his world, it was brilliant. He even gave me a little tour of his stage, which was a sight to behold. It was very impressive. Um, Yeah, so thank you very much, Sam. I think you're gonna love this episode, guys. Also, as always, as always, just in case you've got kids with you, so if you, I don't know, if you've got the podcast on in the background, if you're pottering around the house, if you're in the car, I don't know, just, just a heads up, there might be one or two swear words. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Smith. The way I've kind of been approaching it is loosely starting at the beginning. Okay. You're going to, you know, it's more so for me so that it works chronologically. Well, I've always known of you that it kind of started very early on yeah um and in different ways and shapes and forms and everything and i think it's easy for a lot of us say oh you know it's a childhood dream Mm. but i really believe that with you yeah Uh, no it was so when let's start really you know what were the first records you were listening to that you fell in love with for yourself i think my earliest memory of music must have been um, 
say a little prayer, Ruth Franklin, for my best friend's wedding. Me and my sisters, when we were very, very young, would just run around the living room listening to Aretha. And my parents just, it's so weird actually today, every day I'm having record of the day in, on tour, where one of my crew or um, the band or anyone from my team, they, they get me a vinyl every day Amazing. of the tour to try and introduce me to some new music yeah. and just build my collection and today my singing teacher gave me Anita Baker and listening to that album takes me back to to those days I'm talking like must, must have been six seven eight years old I was just surrounded by soul music as a kid and it's more the feeling at that age it's not yeah. like oh I remember these particular songs, it's more the feeling that comes with them as Isn't well. Isn't it? Yeah. Completely. And, uh, and whenever I think back to music as a kid, I just, it, I think of like bright light, like <laughs> beautiful, fun memories. And I think of Stevie Wonder and Shaka Khan and yeah, yeah. Earth, Wind and Fire a lot. It was a lot of soul music as a kid. And was that something that, did you have any relatives or friends outside of your like immediate family mm. that you shared that with? At all. It was so. My mum's side of my family, my dad's side of my family, came from Fulham in London. Um, yeah. They were from North End Road. They oh. worked on all the vegetables. <laughs> they're proper Cockney. Amazing. Um, some some of them are very difficult characters, but they're they're lovely. But all the best people are. Oh, That's yeah. what I've learned. Oh my gosh, embarrassing. Um, but they they loved Frank Sinatra and old and jazz, and they loved their. Um, you know, they, they'd love M Michael Bublé now and stuff like that. But I, who I love, I and think he's amazing. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's perfect for them. But my mum's side of the family was all soul and funk and um, divas, constantly. And, that, and it was a big part of my mum's um, my side of my family getting together is we would just, everyone would get drunk around the tables and we'd be little kids sitting around eating food, obviously not drinking. Um, but my parents and my aunts and, and my great-aunts, all these powerful women in my family, would be playing these, these diva records and there'd be, just be dance parties every Amazing. time we all got together and that was my first memory of, of music, yeah. was and, women uh, and, uh, yeah, in Amazing. music. Yeah. And so you're, at what point do you go, hang on a minute, I want a bit of this, or hang on a minute, I can do this. Yeah. Were you like a... Were you a good singer early on? I'm not suggesting I, you wouldn't be, I, but... I, I think, I think so. I, I don't... My dad heard me in the car, because we, we had like a 20 minute drive from my house in the countryside to pr primary school, and um, my dad heard me in the car when I was like eight, nine years old singing, and he asked me if I wanted singing lessons. I didn't think anything of it, but I was like, sure. I think I was very hungry to be good at something as a kid, because I wasn't very good in school mm. at anything. I was very average at everything. Yeah, same. Academically, I was like, yeah. yeah. I always tried really hard, <laughs> but never like got good grades or teachers never really pat me on the back for anything. It was, I always just got by. And um, I think when my dad meant, said, do you want singing lessons? I was like, I just jumped it. I was like, hell yeah. And he strangely put me into singing lessons with a jazz singer. And I would just, I, I had singing lessons from the age of eight till now, nonstop. It's amazing that your first teacher was a jazz singer and not, a classical singer mm. or a you know stage singer because that's kind of loose a jazz yeah. singer that's like and my dad weirdly I don't know why he chose that but I think it was the most important thing that's ever happened to me as a singer is that I wasn't brought into a world where you have to reach certain grades I'd just go to this this woman and she'd be like what are you listening to yeah at nine years old what would you are you 24 I'm 20 turning 26 in May 
Yeah. Well, you look 24. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it would have been the same kind of stuff I was talking the other day about what... Because you kind of forget what's going on at primary school, but Avril Lavigne. Mm. Someone mentioned her the other day. I was like, mm. oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Busted. Do you not think we kind of... Like, I know they're all fun and they're great, but do you not think we kind of got cheated a bit? Because I wish that I was listening to Prince in primary school. But something that I... Lo- I hear what you're saying, <laughs> but then as soon as I got to, like, year seven, mm. it w- the charts were just indie bands yeah, and I completely. loved that see I was I was too gay for that honestly in, in, in year 7 everyone and 8 everyone was listening to MCR and that's just too aggressive for me okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was all just very aggressive so and I was sit on this Mariah like, hype okay okay, okay like, I see I see but that's when Winehouse hit me yeah and then I started to listen to a lot of that. I remember Corin Bailey Ray's, um, put your, like, that first album called Corin Bailey Ray. That was one of my favourite records. But then I started to fall in love with Joni Mitchell and stuff. So I went, it was always women, but I, um, yeah, when I hit year seven, year eight, I went into, into different Were churches. Were you out when you got to secondary school? Yeah, yeah, yeah I came out, um, actually no, I wasn't, that's a lie. I came out when I was ten years old, so I was in primary school. I came up to my best friend first, and then I didn't come out the first half of year seven, so secondary school is scary. And did your best friend at school, primary school, travel with you? No, she didn't. I was alone, and no one knew. And um, I was, it was scary going to secondary school, for sure. I was in a Catholic school, and um, going into secondary school, knowing that I was gay and that I was open, I hadn't even told my parents, I just told my, my best friend. And... For that half of the year was the toughest year of school for me with my sexuality. I'd, I was bullied for not coming out. It was like, because I was so obviously gay. Okay, so other kids were going... They were like, are you gay? Constantly asking me if I'm gay and I'd just be like, no, no, no. It's such a... Do you know what? <laughs> I should say, actually, for people listening, you invited me to support you on your US mm. tour, which meant, do you know this? My first ever gig in New York was Madison Square Garden because mm-hmm. of you. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> and I remember, like, just... It, what, I remember. so amazing. And I remember it wasn't until two days later, I was like, shit, the only way is down. I've stopped. No, hell no. <laughs> look, look at your life. <laughs> yeah. No. But I remember uh, a journalist on that tour, I was doing an interview backstage, and they asked me... It was so bizarre. I can't remember what city we, we were in, but mm. they were like, you know, how do you feel about the... Uh, how did he word it? It was something about sexuality yeah. and, you know, do you think it's important that artists feel comfortable to mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking, you wouldn't ask, you know, I'm straight and yeah. that's not a question for me. It still blows my mind that it's a conversation oh, completely. And at school to have to yeah. go, this is my sexuality. Completely. And that's what I, th- I felt that in school and it's actually, it's been a little bit of a curse in a way sometimes, you know, like my, my upbringing with coming out and um, peop, su- people around me who are supportive, I wouldn't say curse, it's, 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 it was, I was so lucky to have the family I've had and the people around me, but it did make me grow up in this bubble where I thought, everything's fine, like, oh, I was like, everything's fine, and then as soon as I, I, I was in music, and and I was on a platform where I was speaking and people listened to what I was saying and I'm just there like everything's fine then it's I really I wasn't wised up and I didn't understand that everything isn't fine and it's it's important for it for it to be a conversation because there's so many parts of the world where it's illegal and people get murdered for it you know so it, it, it's a tough one. It shouldn't be a conversation mm. but it kind of it is. Kind of, yeah it's yeah. important. That it, did you have 
gay role models as a kid? Did you do you remember people in pop culture that you could look up to? The only people, I mean, I mean, other than you know uh, my gay icons such as Gaga's and and Whitney's and and Madonna's, I'd say George Michael was the only figure that I ever knew. I, I went to see him Wembley Stadium. He opened in Wembley Stadium when I was fifteen. Well, then just think how amazing it is for you to be doing what you're doing now yeah. for. Yeah. Sam equivalents in year seven now. Yeah. But, you know, oh it's amazing, man. Yeah, completely. And my sexuality has become something that I was actually very scared of in music to something that I'm really trying to own now and, and I'm, I'm really proud of it and it's, it's an amazing thing. Fuck it's yeah, scary, though. Me. As you said, going to America, like, my show, there's, there's a song on my album called Him and it's... I have the gay um, flag colours come up on stage after the show and I say a little thing about, about being gay on stage. A bit nervous about going to parts of America and parts of the world with yeah. that. The, the, I the think feedback you have not, to remind yourself. Be great. No, but they're there because they love you. And, mm. you know, but your, people's ears are so much more open when they're, what they're hearing is from somebody that they love yeah. and respect. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully. Good on you, man. That's Thank amazing. You. No, it's great. Um, so you start having lessons with a jazz teacher yeah. and you you had something like six or seven managers by the time you were yeah. whatever age, which yeah. means that's like a, to ha even have a manager. How many have you had? Only ever one, but I didn't mm. even know it. My, I was a fan of music since the age of kind of 13, 14 mm -hmm. when I found it for myself, but I never considered or thought about everything that went on behind I never yeah. I, and then I went to and I was fucking studying it at college and yeah. then at uni and I just didn't did you go to uni? yeah I went to for one year I oh, did amazing. it in Bristol um, at BIM and um, that's where I met my manager right okay so how old were you when you got your first manager? I would see I was a bit unlucky in that sense I so my jazz the jazz singer that taught me mm. her she had a manager a lovely man who I, I must have been 14, 13, 14, and he took interest in my voice. And he basically said, I'd love to just help you out. And he, it was, it's quite intense at 13, 14 years old, but after school, most nights, he'd be driving me to studios, to his friends locally, and I'd go in the studios and I'd just record covers of songs that I loved. So I was already getting a real understanding of what it was like to be in the studio. And he was great, and then when I hit... 16, um, no, 15 or 16, I went every Saturday, I'd travel from Cambridgeshire up to London to go to Sylvia Young's Saturday School, yeah. um, which my mum and dad sent me to, just to go, just because I loved musical theatre. So I wanted to, I was like, please, can I go to a Saturday school just every week? And it was a lot. It was like a two-hour journey every, yeah, every, every Saturday, um, obviously having school every, all throughout the week. And um, the singing teacher in Sylvia Young's school took interest in my voice and he held me back after class one day and he said that he would like to introduce me to his managers to get me involved with them so i'm only fi i'm 15 16 when this is happening so it's quite mad and um it's more than quite mad it's it like mad. properly it's the there's almost never a right time for it to happen no. because it's it, no matter when it happens it's a bit of a Shock. Yeah, and also, I, these people I was meeting, so my first manager was amazing, but the second man management I got into weren't very nice. Okay. And they, they 
made, they had me recording um, like music that was written from people that they were working with. And then when I hit 17, remember I'm still growing up with this, still very hormonal, finding out who I am. When I hit 17, 18, I'd recorded almost two albums worth of songs with this, with this label almost. Um, this independent company, and I, I didn't want to do it anymore. It'd be, it, was, it was three years old material now for me. It was written ten years before, and I, and I didn't want to do it anymore. So there was all this massive mess of me leaving them. The albums that I actually made with them, they, I'm still having issues with them now. No way! <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's tough. But then, then I met another manager, uh-huh. Um, who I ended up moving to London with. Amazing. Nothing romantic, but he was an older guy and he was like, you need to be in London, you can't be living in the countryside, so come and live in my, um, in a flat with me. We lived in a flat. And then he ended up stealing from me, money from me, and this all, basically he was just lying and telling me that he was going to organise this and that and this and that, musically. And I was working in a bar full time. And... It all fell through, so I decided to leave him, left him, moved out. And me, <laughs> it's just uh, thank God. It's mad. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'd, I'd been through, th- yeah, about six managers by the time I was eighteen. Yeah, eighteen, me. nineteen. It's crazy. It is, and it's, did, did you ever feel like you saw things that maybe you shouldn't have too early on mm. at all? With the music industry, That's what yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it made me very scared and it made me not trust I anyone. mean, just even in the sense of, like, contracts and things like that, that are yeah. like, hang on a minute, I'm, you know, supposed yeah. to be... A minor. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, do you know what, it's made me very... I'm a very big believer of... I don't really think people should be signing anyone under the age of 18, ever. It, it, I... Yeah, it kind of... It scares me because I think back to when even when I was 17 even when I was 18 mm. you know you're a baby yeah you know? and I, I imagine me now I'm probably still a baby yeah, in many are. ways and, you know, um, <laughs> how old are you now I'm 24 amazing yeah so you so something has to happen where because when you were talking about the music you first listened to and everything it was all these amazing female yeah. vocalists and stuff but you you don't really mention dance music no or at all which no but something there has to be an introduction to between disclosure. you and the disclosure lads. see that's the weirdest thing right it's i didn't know anything about dance music i anything. kind of still don't me either <laughs> the amount of just like disclosure, like they're so talented and they're the most they're amazing ones, and it's well. their passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, especially Guy, it's it's his passion. And I mean, I've had so many. I've been on tours with them when we've been sitting on buses and after shows, and everyone's having a drink, listening to to dance music, and he's like, "This is sick." And I'm just sitting there like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand what would be sick and what like what's good and what's bad. I d- I still don't get it. Um, it's you have to have a certain ear for it, don't you? It's really incredible. It's incredible. It's an art form. Absolutely. But what a like amazing opportunity to collaborate with them <laughs> early on. Well, I what happened was I I so this is a really random story. This is this is a ama- I love telling this story. Okay, go. So I I went to see Adele play at Shepherd's Bush Empire when I was sixteen. Can you imagine Adele at Shepherd's Bush Empire? Yeah, Sorry. I know. <laughs> Seriously, it was unbelievable. She just brought out 19. Amazing. And I went with my best friend from home. Anyway, her support act was a man called Elvin Smith. 
he was supporting Adele and I heckled him as, as a 16 year old <laughs> loser kid like at the front <laughs> just heckled him and he like turned to me and said something we had some sort of rapport from the stage I, I think I had my first beer that night or something and um sounds like it yeah sounds like <laughs> it <laughs> I know but he basically three years later I met him in a bar randomly and I went up to him, I was like, you're Elvin Smith, I saw you support Adele. And, he, and I was working in a bar at the time, just left its manager I was talking to you about. And um, he was like, yeah, he was like, I remember you. I was like, amazing. And I, something in my gut told me just to give him your email uh -huh. and, and send him some music, just to get some advice on, on like what, because I'd written a song and I'd recorded it. Anyway, he ended up being my manager. Amazing. And he introduced me to Jimmy. And our first ever session with Jimmy Napes, we wrote Lay Me Down. And then Lay Me Down got played to Disclosure, and that's how the first Disclosure session happened. Right. We should say for anyone listening, so I've mentioned Joel Pop before, who's kind of yeah. my go-to, you know, my writing partner. Yeah. And Jimmy Napes is your... Yeah, Jimmy you Napes is my partner. writing partner, yeah. yeah. I heard um, you talking about taking yourself away together for this record to Ireland. No yeah. That's what we do every time. We'll go for kind of like five days at a time to somewhere where there's often it will be a place where we have to light the fire for hot water and stuff yeah, like that yeah yeah was that kind where of where did you go we go to a place in Wales in North oh, Wales I love that yeah. did we you, went to Ireland was it new for you that kind of switching off and taking yourself away yeah Jimmy we, we, we talked about it for a because his studio's in the city isn't it I've been there yeah, well, he, he, his old studio where we made the first record, he doesn't have anymore. So Is that we the one in the basement? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I went so to. So that's Timber Street where we did the whole of In the Lonely Hour. But we, we tried out different places, but it was towards the end of the project, we went to Ireland, to this town called Letterkenny. It was like 15, 20-minute drive away from the town, in the middle of nowhere, like you said. We stayed in a little cottage together, fire, movies. Um, it's special, isn't it? Just, it's locking your way, yourself away from the world and just yeah. focusing on the music. I mean, we've just stepped outside here. We're in Birmingham at, backstage at your show and we've just been to look at your stage set up, which okay. just looks beautiful and amazing. But it, it never, it will never not blow my mind that what you're going to be performing started, tonight, started yeah. in a cottage, you know, yeah. in, the, in the middle of nowhere, Ireland. Yeah. It's I love that. The I, journey of yeah. songs. It's, you're right. It's yeah. an, I don't give it enough thought sometimes. I spent a lot of time, the last, especially with what happened with the first record, constantly taking myself back to like the beginning, like, and trying to... Do you ever do that? It's kind of hard, isn't it, to... Um, I almost say, what would my what would my sixteen-year-old self say in this situation? And I did it all the time, taking myself back They'd to that laughed starting place. Until they cried, I think. Yeah, it makes me really emotional. But I did it so much that I actually had to stop and start living yeah. the present a bit yeah. because it's. Uh, do you know what? I'm really out. happy you touched on that because just as an outsider, um, it made me so happy when you started posting kind of teasing bits about a new mm. record coming out of it. You seemed so relaxed. Yeah. And I could be, you know, you might be like, no, I was like a... But it just seemed like, and I've had a really similar time of it where I can take this the second time round yeah. with a bit more clarity Completely. and understanding. But I, uh, me and you released our debut records at a similar time. Yeah. And, you know, everything that happened to me was kind of surreal and full on mm. and beautiful and I loved it. And then there was another level, you know, it, yeah. and I know what we've just spent the last 15 minutes talking about 
is how you've been doing it from such a young age. Mm -hmm. But nothing can prepare you no. for when it takes off. It doesn't matter if you've been doing it for four months, four years, four yeah. years. When it kicks, because you just have to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. And it's also, it's almost so fast that mm. it's sometimes sad because mm. you, it's like, it's like taking a plane to somewhere where you actually want to get in the fucking car mm. and drive around and yeah, see the sights and stay over in a B&B and, and hang it, and out for a minute. And I don't want to complain at all, but the other week I released my record mm. and we had like, on the day we did a little kind of showcase with Spotify and then... I had to be up at the crack of dawn to yeah. do breakfast radio or something, so I didn't stay out and party when the rest of the team did. Yeah. And I was there was a little bit of me where I was like, "This is kind of fucked up." Yeah, it like is. I should. You don't get to enjoy. Of it. everybody here, I should be partying. I should be so yeah. fucked right now. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> but I feel the same on tour sometimes. Yeah. Like, like we just did Dublin halfway through the tour, and everyone's going out drinking, and I'm just like steaming in my bed <laughs> right. like, I've, I'm not drinking I'm trying not to drink for the year not for any big reason but I, firstly I love giving myself tasks This is, um, you know I'm doing the same thing for a year? go on I haven't drank for a month now Amazing. and I did last about six months ago I didn't drink for three months yeah. why? do you just want to so give I yourself ended the task? the last tour not drinking for the last three months just because I wouldn't have been able to get through it I don't yeah. think um, for the first year of touring, I was a bit of a party boy, and yeah. I loved it, yeah. but I just couldn't keep it up. Same. Um, and this time around, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to start this one as I ended the last one, and I've probably taken on more mm -hmm. this time than yeah. I would have done. Um, and also, I just... It's clarity, right? It's... And it's like... I can't... I mean... I, I'm just... A sucker for an early night. What I found is I'm um, becoming a proper granny at the moment. It's amazing. I'm, like I just I'm reading. I'm like I'm just food. Food has become because I'm not drinking. Food is like every, every Sunday. I'm just like like let's just eat what we want, yeah, yeah. and it's become fun. Yeah. And like TV shows, and I started meditating. Oh mate, I'm becoming this guy. Oh, mate, I love <laughs> calm. I'm on calm. Calm. Okay. I do, the thing is, you've just got to do. I don't, know, I don't know, we might sit down in another three years and mm. just be like, I drink so much, <laughs> I drink so much fucking alcohol, and it's great. <laughs> I don't know, I just like the task of it. Yeah, me too. I'd see, that's what I did when I released Too Good at Goodbyes, is I was like, I'm not going to drink. Mm. And I did it for three months, and I feel like it's kind of ruined my life, because it was, I was the happiest I've ever been. And then as soon as I started drinking again, um, so over Christmas, I just went into this, it was like times ten, I'm just mm. drinking so much. And then when I drink, I start smoking cigarettes. Mm. And then I start smoking cigarettes, I'm smoking a bit of weed. Mm. And then it's just leading, and then my diet goes out the window. So then I'm putting on weight, and I'm just sitting there sad. <laughs> and just, I'm, I've, I've had to start accepting recently, without sounding dramatic, that I do think I have a little bit of depression in my family. And I think I need to really start actively trying to be a more positive mm. person and I don't know I'm s I've been flirting with this idea of just not drinking at the moment it's 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 interesting to me it's when you stop drinking for three months and I'm I was out in, in clubs till like 4 a.m. not drinking and you st I started to realize like I can still have fun this is the realization and I can, you can still have so much fun I've been you're not gonna reach that like yeah. euphoric high but you're also not going to reach that 
deep, dark low than morning after. And it's, you can still pole dance until 4am, you know? I've done that about me. But speak for yourself. I don't know if I could do that. I haven't got the core strength sound. That's why I like it. <laughs> I, um, I've got I my do, heels yeah, over there. I just, do, oh, mate, I just am a liability. And, yeah. I, th- I think it's... Um, it's I don't know about you there was definitely two moments that stand out for me where I kind of I really struggled on the first record where it was just uh, just a kid that's mm. dealing with a little bit too much and it's not too, I was trying to explain to somebody the other day what we do as a job on paper isn't hard but it's how relentless it is completely it's how it's, well, it's every job involves repetition you know and it's also the, for me it was I'd, and must be for you as well, the fame aspect of it. Something but I just I've, didn't prepare myself I for. Really, I've not experienced it in a big, big way. Yeah. In my, I feel you either are a fan of me or you don't really know. Yeah, oh, completely. Whereas with you, you're yeah. a household name. So are you, George. <laughs> you're in my uh, house, you're in all in of my Harvard. family's house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's no, got you're, to be... You, and you suddenly have to start taking precautions around the most mundane parts of life. You have mm. to start going, oh, but what if this is going to happen? Or what? It really yeah, changes the way completely. you go about your day. What scared me with that was I thought I wanted it. It wasn't a driving thing for me. It was always the music, always. But there was a small part of me that would love the idea of maybe one day being famous. And that it would fill a little void inside of me if it happened. And when it happened, I was like, oh my God, this is so... It's just wrong. Like, the, the relationship with the fans is amazing. But just what makes me sad is the relationships with everyone family and friends around you you know i've still got amazing everyone around me is incredible but you do lose some people in 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 that tornado a little bit sometimes and it and it made me a bit sad yeah i think it's also i i'm the opposite i I hadn't considered fame Mm. it goes back to that thing of me always loving music Mm. but never thinking about i don't know i just didn't consider any of it so when i experienced a tiny bit of it i was like Whoa! Yeah, this is it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I think it's because of the type of people that I looked up to. Like I love, like the Beyonces of this world and the show, the drama. I'm a drama queen, and I just thought it looked so luxurious. Parts of it, and then you went to that world, and you're like, "Whoa, this is crazy. I'm out." (laughs) As a kid, there was always this thing where I assumed one day I would wake up and feel old, Mm -hmm. but it, it. doesn't happen like, or older yeah i thought you know oh, one day i'll be 18 and and but it, because and this is gonna sound so uh, of course but every day you're you so every mm. day you go to bed you wake up and it's this and it's the same i assumed that it would feel different yeah to, but it does you still it feel like you weird. and you have Completely. the same problems issues anything yeah. it doesn't get rid of anything but that's the thing as well is that on my year when I had a year and a half off that's what I learned is that after the Oscars I was just sitting there like with my parents and my sisters they're all amazing but I, I was in this headspace of my life is so unrelatable now and I'm in such a weird place for a 23 year old that I need to start acting like a 40 year old because this is just crazy like no my life is people my my mum can't relate to parts of my life anymore so and she's always the one i would turn to and be like what do i do at this time of my life but i learned that 
it's still the same. You know, there's of course there's there's crazy shit that we that we do that's completely unrelatable. But I'm still a 26 year old boy mm. that's good. That's that's figuring out so mm. much, just like any other 26 year old boy. And mm. it's and you know, you just need to ignore all the fake shit and mm. just deal with the real shit. This is the halftime break. This is the part of the show where I kind of split the conversation in two and uh, let you know what's going on in my world, what I'm up to, what it's all about. So as I was saying earlier, about a month ago I released my second album, Staying at Tomorrow's, which is uh, officially, as I record this, it was the fastest selling album of 2018. It was gold as I recorded this. It's already gone gold, which is amazing. Thank you very much to all of you that have gone out and got a copy. It really does mean the world. And I mean that. It means... The thing is, with the record being out, what that allows me to do is then go out and tour and play festivals. And, you know, that's another thing. Thank you to all of you that have come out and caught us on tour so far. Um, The next month, the month ahead of us, uh, is dedicated to Canada and America. We've got shows. Um, yeah, and I think if any of you that are interested in just keeping up with what I'm up to, um, the best place to head to is georgeezra.com. There's a journal that you can sign up to to receive once a week that I write just to let you know what I'm doing, along with all the other good stuff. You know, there's videos, there's pictures, there's tour dates, there's merchandise. That's it as well, yeah, there's merch now. We've got a merch line that I'm really happy with. So a friend of mine took all of the photos for the album artwork over in Barcelona, and we've managed to kind of use them for the, for the T-shirts, the tote bags, there's mugs. Uh, tea towels. I always buy a tea towel when I go to gigs. I don't know if I'm, if that's just me. I love a tea towel. Um, yeah, so head over to the website and you can find all of that good stuff. And if you haven't grabbed yourself a copy of the album yet, I, you know, it'd be amazing if you did. I think you're going to love it. Um, yeah, it's a collection of songs about taking yourself away from everything going on around you, dreaming and escaping. And yeah, I mean, I like it. Right, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into part two of the conversation with the lovely Sam Smith. One of the times I'm talking about on the first record where I found it quite hard, my dad sat me down and he was like, son, I've always, I will always be here for you. You know, this is the first time in our life where what you're going through, I have no experience in. Mm. But I know, and I'll never forget he said it, he was like, you have every right to feel every emotion under the sun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Yeah. You can you can approach it anyway, at any given moment, you can feel... And I remember just going like, oh, thank yeah. you, God. Thank you, Dad. Well, because you, your parents are still your parents and they're mm. still supporting you. Just quickly, going back to that alcohol thing, sorry. Mm. No, go for it. I recorded an episode with Ed Sheeran and he said, yeah, with me, I don't drink on the record until it goes platinum. And I was like, yeah, Ed, mate, that's like a week for you. Yeah, I know. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> take a few days off that's drinking. That's crazy, yeah, like, take four days off drinking. It doesn't work like that. He said it, and I was just like, at that time, I just was like, oh, yeah, cool. And then I was leaving. I was like, what are you talking about? No, he's, he's great. He knows, how to, he knows how to celebrate. I used to know how to celebrate. 
<laughs> I used to. That's the thing as well. Was I celebrated too much that almost celebrating becomes not celebrating. Do you know what I mean? Do you ever? Um, have you ever felt at any point like th- regarding the kind of famous? Oh, I've oh. overshared. Yes. Whether it's in music or something you've bloody tweeted or anything. Do you oh, ever completely, go like, all the time. I sh- really? All the time I think, God, I've got to... I, I, w- I want to keep a little bit more mystery and keep lots to myself, but I'm not doing... I'm not giving everything I am for attention. It's who I am. I'm in my family. I've always just said... It's, I've got word vomit. Whatever's on my mind just comes out. And I just think... It's also hard. I think my sexuality is a big part of it. That's, you know, when I'm sitting and doing interviews, I did six months promo, and it's it's sometimes it's a it's a it's a it's a lot to um, to take when I'm doing twenty interviews a day, and in every single interview, there's probably one question about my music. The rest is about my sexuality, really? my my views on gay politics, my my views on my relationship. This is why I've touched you on know, it so earlier on, because it, I don't have to do that. I don't mm. even have to think about that that would be happening in somebody else's life, because it's not... I've had, I've been, I've called up my managers and, and cried a few times after some interviews, because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, I've because... I've just spent two years writing and recording a fucking album, and you yeah. want to ask me what my opinions are on... Yeah, yeah, but I also don't... And I don't... Sometimes I don't... I'm happy to answer them, but I don't know how to answer them. And it's almost like I... And also I shoot myself in the foot because my music is so personal that it's... You know, I think it makes people think that they have every right to ask me the most in-depth questions. But I've had some weird stuff. Like, I had a guy from... A guy, rec- like, last, about four months ago, he he said to me in an interview, can you explain to me how loving a man is the same as loving a woman? <laughs> and I was just like... That's when I broke down a bit afterwards, because I just... I thought, I can't... I can't do this. I'm a singer. I'm a singer, and I'm happy to talk about being gay because it's something I'm proud of and, and something that I want to be a part of my music. But I can't. I'm just afraid of um, of upsetting my how community you, at the same time. Face a question like that without saying. Well, I just I was well in a, in quite a pissed off manner to be honest. Yeah. I was just like it's exactly the same. And then he he replied and said, well, I don't understand how. Love how the love oh, is the mate, same, I'm and it's, sorry <laughs> it was just strange stuff. And it's you can you can almost count it in my interview. Sometimes it's like it goes sexuality, weight loss, um, Oscar mess up, and then ask me about my boyfriend, and then it'll be about um, why my music is so sad. <laughs> it's tough. You should. Do you know what? You should go go into an interview just with like all your answers recorded. Yeah, and I see should. If they and make in. you can imagine that'd be amazing. Like Doco, wouldn't it? Record oh, every interview. But it's, look, I'm I'm sitting here moaning, but it's like it's a, it's it's something I'm faced up to. Mm. I'm really I'm I'm happy to do it now. It's just a bit exhausting when it's all day every day, but it's mm. it's fine. It's I think as I said, it's important. You know. It's, mm. The gay thing is that my sexuality is an important mm. factor now. So, Something that I missed, I should have touched on it earlier, I really wanted to ask you about it. Me and you played a gig together when we were about, I was about 18, 19, in the back of a pub. My Do you God. remember this? I've been talking about, We. I feel like we should recreate it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where, which pub it was. It was Blue Flowers okay. in Chiswick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was me, you, Laura Mavula, um, James Bay. 
But so my thing with that is because you played you and a pianist. <laughs> yeah. Like those gigs for me. It's Jimmy. Was it? No mm. way. Jimmy, yeah, and my cello player Harry, who's on tour with me. Yeah. So those gigs for me were just completely second nature, you know. Yeah. And I actually think in many ways my records translate to that setting mm. more than they do the arena you're playing tonight yeah how did you find that that was my period? first ever show no way yeah yeah it was my first did ever did you have like, to do show. much of that kind of like we did a lot yeah that first the f it was before I got signed it was actually no it was, I had been signed and they just to get me practicing we did loads of open mic stuff um, around London it was mad we sang in like a brothel like Don't it mate. used to be a brothel in Soho. Do you there was that one tiny. I did in Paris where there was just cages and beds in all the corners of this <laughs> built in this thing. And they were like, you know, and then afterwards, I won't do the accent, but they were like, and after your performance, it's a party. And I was oh like, my God, okay. yay! <laughs> and it was a fucking party. They oh opened God, the doors and it mad. was just fucking lights went down. Oh my God. People in cages Dicks came out. That's and I was just like, <laughs> How old would I have been? Like 19? And you just yeah. go, I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm going to put my guitar away and join oh. in the fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's... That was my... I had a few experiences as a kid. I did open mic nights when I was younger, younger. But, um... It's, Do you feel more comfortable scary. playing to... How many, how many... What capacity is tonight? Tonight? I don't know. I think it's probably... Manchester was 16,000, 17,000. Amazing. So do you amazing. feel more comfortable doing that than playing to 16 people I in the back to. of a pub? I okay. used to. Now I'm in the run of this, I love it. But it's... I've started to really... When I brought out this record, when, before we did Two Good Goodbyes, I went back to all my first venues I played in every city. So we did, like, the Mercury Lounge in New York, and then we did the Troubadour in LA. Amazing. And it was... That I loved. I love looking into people's eyes. It's scary. It's much scarier for me. But I, I feel like um, just me and a piano is kind of where I prefer okay. to be nowadays. And is that how you write? You and Jimmy yes. all play piano. My my aim in life is to just slowly, slowly become this old gay folk singer that just wears caftans and smokes weed and has a beard and Amazing. just sings lonely love songs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, mate, I'm so behind that. That's my aim. I love. I'm, I just love those gigs. Yeah. It's they're special. It's funny as well because you you have to rely on yourself a lot more to be able to hold conversation between the songs because oh, you really yeah. can't rely on. And here's the drum fill into the next song. Exactly. And it can't you be have rehearsed. to go and this. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I am. Um, I love telling stories on stage, and I always do it on tour. And I know which songs have you know stories that lend themselves. Um, I'm rubbish at doing it on the night mm -hmm. like hey Birmingham you'll never guess what I saw at the yeah. shopping centre or whatever yeah. like relatable me too, local me too. It's, some people are it's brilliant tough. Yeah. I even find it tough talking on these shows sometimes because it's you've got to your voice has got to travel to everyone and you've got to have a lot of confidence but it's but I don't have a lot of confidence sometimes, so I'm pretending. <laughs> but then I'm trying not to be fake when I'm pretending to have confidence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's a bit strange. Did you have an idea of what you wanted this record to be compared to the first record? Like, coming out the back yes. of the first record, did you go, I know what I've learned and I know what I want to do? Yes. And I also, for me, with this... This album, for me, is almost like a part two to In The Lonely Hour. It's like, In The Lonely Hour... It's almost like it, it like electrified my life, and the thrill of it all is the ashes afterwards. 
<laughs> it's like in the lonely hour burnt me alive and then and then thrill of it all is 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 it's almost my recovery album in a way it was the recovery of becoming famous that's why it's called the thrill of it all it's it's like coming out the end of it and just looking back and being like oh my god i got really down and i, I was spat out yeah. a little bit you know and that's why the front cover i wanted it to be i wanted to look a bit there's like just a bit messed up in it because I wasn't looking after myself when I was writing this record and I was going out and like, too much and I was getting in relationships where I was deliberately being with people that didn't love me back it's almost like you sing in the lone, songs from the, in the lonely hour so much that I've almost almost convinced myself that I am this misery guts that only deserves to be miserable and so the thrill of all, I think, it was definitely recovery from from in the lonely hour. And did you find that you were latching on in, in a relationship term, to mm. going like, was that hand in hand with the party and going out too much? Uh, we, do you think something inside you wanted material in completely? A sense? I do uh, subconsciously. I didn't. I think that it was my comfortable place. I was like, I'm, I write, I sing sad songs, so I'm just gonna. This is this is what I have to do, and. It, it was comfortable. I felt more comfortable writing sad songs. But with this, with this next album that I'm going to do, it's not going to be sad. Do you have an idea of what you want to do? I do. Yeah. I should just say, though, quickly, before we move on to the next record, your songs, I know that they have emotional and sad mm. undertones often. Yeah. I think they're so uplifting. Me too. I think the Me way too. you produce them and the like arrangement of, especially near the end, they're just yeah. huge. It's amazing. No, me too. I don't think they're... Uh, sad to me is the wrong word. They're Emotional. reflective. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's... It's... It's not... Yeah, it's not sad because they give me so much happiness. Yeah. You know? So I think... I don't think it's sad, but I think that this record definitely did get deep for me when I was writing it, maybe a bit too deep at okay. times. And so th moving on to a third record, mm. do you have kind of mapped out what you want to achieve or say or do? Yeah, I want to just force myself to be a little bit happier. I'm, I'm in love with someone who loves me back and it's really hopeful. Please write about it. I'm going you, to. You have to just And like I am. I already have amazing. recently. Just trying to find interesting ways of saying it. I don't listen to a lot of like happy love songs, so I'm just trying to find interesting ways of saying I love you. Do you know what? I've really <laughs> I struggled with that on this record. I I met my girlfriend kind of three months before the last record finished. Yeah. And we just had it just everything was on our side because everything was starting to calm down and then I had this time we could spend together. And the most difficult thing was just taking a deep breath in and going, you're going to write some happy love songs, yeah. George, and you just have to accept that that's what's going on. Yeah. You know? This is hard, and I'm only, only the last few weeks, I've started writing again on tour, and only the last few weeks I've done that, yeah. because this is, I'm having five years of sad, bad habits now when it comes to writing music. There's so many love songs in the world, yeah. and I was kind of going, are you going to add to the pool, George? Is that what you're going to do? And it's like, you fucking have to. If you're yeah. going to be honest on this that's record, your this is what's going on. And do you know what? I'm happy, I'm so happy that I haven't done it until now. Because I was, with the thrill of all, I was like, there was parts of me that was the thought, should I force it? And But I can't ever write about something I'm not going through. And now I've finally experienced it, what it's like. But even in my everyday life now, even with him, he's amazing. I'm fighting my negativity all the time because it's it's going to be an ongoing thing for me. I got very comfortable in in my sadness, mm. you know, and just and just being a bit negative. 
I was always positive to everyone else, but negative to myself. I think creatively, I think you being happy and in love, it, it will just, it will do you wonders because it will be a new experience writing like that. And yeah. it will be testing Completely. at times. And I just think on the other end of it, the other side of it, it will, it will only be a good thing. Completely. And I've also made a pact to myself that, that even, touch wood, anything happens, I, I still won't write a sad album. I want to look back on these memories in, with, with hope and light and nice things, you know. Amazing. It's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I catch you... I, how long has the second record been out now? Jesus. Um... Like six months, five, six it goes months. so quick, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's so, crazy. Do you have any idea of how long touring this record you have? Yeah, so I'll be going to the end of the year, mm -hmm. and then I think we're going to maybe do South America beginning of next year. Do you do many festivals? We, we're not... On my last album, I did loads, and yeah, I love them, so. but this time I'm only doing Radio 1 Big Weekend and something in Sweden. Okay. But, no, I, I, I kind of wish I was doing more. But I'm, I'm, I don't want to take a big break after this record. I just yeah. want to keep... I want to be writing on the road and keep I'm going. I'm the exact same. I just want to keep it going. Yeah. It's, it's, we got over that first hump, didn't yeah. we? I got the really first low album and not working. Like I, yeah. I, had, like, I had my friends yeah. around me and family and, you know... But unless you've got something to wake up and do... and Yeah, it's a hard treadmill to, to get just, and the thing is with me is I'm all or nothing. So like yeah. I'm either go 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 or I'm like fucking don't come out of joggers. <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's yeah. All, yeah. That's a good way to be though, right? Yeah, absolutely. It really is. How busy are you for the next? Yeah, few really, months? really busy. I, do you know what? And I, d I don't regret it just yet. I the said fact to you've my had manager, time to do this is mad. Well, this is so. I do two things that are my own kind of doing to myself. I do the podcast, which mm. is a labour of love, and I do love it. Mm -hmm. And I also do a weekly journal, so I write like a A4 piece, maybe two A4 pieces, and it goes as a mail out. But it's like, oh, a really, like amazing. this is what we got up to. Da, da, da. And those two things every week, I go shit. Yeah, I, like I need to do this You've thing. Got to stick to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just, I also said to my, um, I said to my manager, I want you to make me the business busiest man. Yeah, you know, go in. That's and what I said. Fucking done it. And yeah, I, that's like, what I said. I don't at the moment. God, if you're listening to this, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. <laughs> it's so good, though. You've got this to do. I've been thinking recently. I, I want to. I want to get into something. I'm doing. I'm doing a lot. I'm trying. I'm trying to do a, a lot of charity work with War Child and stuff. But I think I want to open a flower shop. Amazing! <laughs> I did not think you were going to say that. <laughs> I really do. A lot do. of charity. Where would you open it? I really do. London. Flowers make me happy. Yeah. Man. I don't know where I'd open it, but I just want to open up a flower shop. That has a, co a coffee shop that has Always a flower a shop, shop in the in back. There, man. If I've learned one thing about business, I have a coffee shop in there. I have this amazing <laughs> idea. It's great. I've even got like a logo idea and everything. Amazing. It's really cool. But I want like, a coffee shop, and then you go in the back room. And there's like a greenhouse, and it's a it's a florist. And like when I just have downtime, I'll go and work in the florist. That'd be amazing. I might, I'm going to go on a florist course. I think though first. Yeah. I once heard a rumour, and this is only a rumour, so it might not yeah. be true, but that Laura Marling, between records, went and worked in a steakhouse restaurant. <gasps> That's amazing. I, I mean, you know Adele did the same with them. Um, she worked in the back of Rough Trade after her no first album. Way. Yeah. It's really cool, actually. I, 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 I really would love to do it. Mm. But I think going on a course and learning something would be 
would be nice. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? My sister asked me just today. She was like, do you reckon you'll ever go back to uni? And I said, 100%. Not necessarily onto campus, but now I understand why you would want to get a degree for the education, not for the degree. Yeah. Like, to sit down and commit to three years of studying about one thing. Yeah. Yeah. But school is fucked, isn't it? Like, I'm, I've been thinking this loads recently. Like, I loved it. See, I loved it, but at the same time, like... All of these subjects that teachers said to me, you're not good at them. And then now I'm actually getting... Like, I'm starting to find interest in history and geography and things that I was told I wasn't good at and was mm. told to drop. Mm. If I learnt them now, I could mm. be incredible at but it. I think that's a maturity thing. I, th- I think I heard... This is really fucking boring. I no, heard a, a podcast interview between two people the other day and he was talking about... One of the guests was talking about... AI, artificial intelligence, yeah. and he's kind of saying, honestly, in 10, 15 years, it will be so present, you yeah. won't, you won't recognise what, and he said the biggest issue with that is then what do we teach our kids? Yeah, because I've heard about this, you know, someone told me about every, this the other day. It was the, um, you know this book, Homo Sapiens? No. And it's all about Homo, Homo Sapien, and it's about, it's like 600, 700 pages long, and it's like a brief history of us. Yeah. And it's huge, the book, and the author was saying it. I'm sure that's <gasps> It's scary. Robots going to take over the world. Yeah, I just think there will always be something innately in us, though, that wants the cottage in Ireland. I think Joel, humans, you're so, need, you're so humans right. need fresh it's air. It's all I'm about. Uh, year by year, I'm getting more and more, like, rooted to the ground, in a way. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm putting down my phone as much as I can at the moment, yeah. reading, like... Getting out on walks, like, and do you know what? Someone said to me, they were like, "Yeah, well, if that's true, if we need the country, why is London as busy as it is?" And I said, "Listen, when they pave over Hyde Park, mm-hmm. then come and say that." But Completely. there's still amazing green space in London. Did you watch Planet Earth? Um, do you know? Right, it was on while I was recording this record, and I was renting an Airbnb near the studio that I was in. And the TV was so shit, it was insulting to watch Planet Earth. So I watched the first two at home, which were brilliant. I respect that. And then I turned it on and I I got about halfway through an episode. I just said, I can't do this. There's been too much put into this programme for me to watch it on this... So thing. now you need you need to find the right TV. Have, have you seen the one? The, the one that I really want to see is all about the cities. Yes, yeah, this is what I'm talking that about. Amazing. Well, every episode, every Sunday, I'd sit there, I'd sit there and watch it and cry because mm. <laughs> it's so beautiful. But what David Attenborough says on the last episode, like when I went to Australia, I saw that they were doing it. He talked about um, in Singapore and, and certain parts of the world, they're just they're growing foliage on top of these skyscrapers. It's so beautiful, yeah. but it's helping the environment so Amazing. much. If we did that in London, it'd just be incredible. Yeah, yeah. We've got to plant more trees, man. <laughs> you need to open the florist. I'll come round. I'll buy them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I don't want to take up any more of your time. <laughs> We're not drinking either. What have we become? <laughs> I know. But it was We're like hippie. And you just finished exercising. I was like, man, what's happened? <laughs> We're like hippie granddads. <laughs> And here we are, ladies and gentlemen, it is the end of episode 10. I can't believe we've done 10 episodes. Amazing. And if you're new to the show, I recommend you go back and listen to the previous episodes. I find with the podcasts that I love the most, often it will be names that I am not that familiar with or that I would assume I wouldn't like much. 
that I end up loving the most. And, you know, they're just very interesting conversations with interesting people. So I invite you to go and check out other episodes. I think you're going to love them. Of course, a huge thank you to Sam Smith for inviting me to the venue and for recording this conversation with me. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, I hope the rest of your tour goes well. A massive thank you to Warren Borg, who is the man that edits these conversations together. Thank you, Warren. Uh, to Oshin Griffin, who is the, uh, the man behind the graphics that you see posted on social media and on the World Wide Web. Um, so thank you, Oshin. And Josh Sanger. Thank you, Josh Sanger, for making this happen and the Closer Artist team. And as always, a huge thank you to you for digging this episode out and uh, pressing play. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're traveling to work. Maybe you're traveling home from work. Maybe you're walking in the park. Maybe you're sat in the park. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. But whatever you are doing, I hope you're smiling. I hope you're happy. And um, yeah, thank you very much. It means a lot. Until next time, bye-bye. Turn your distractions off and discover your new favorite podcast. This is Bose Recommends. Hi, guys. I'm Nat Coombs from the NFL show with Nat Coombs. Yep, that was a title that took us hours to come up with. We're thrilled to be involved with Bose Recommends because, frankly, we are having a great time making this show. We drop episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, and the clue is very much in the title. We're all about the NFL. I'm joined each episode by terrific guests from both sides of the pond, players past and present, journalists, comedians, writers, you name it. They love NFL, they're in. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Acast, iTunes, all your favorite podcatchers. It'll be good to have you with us. Enjoy your new favorite podcast without distractions. Discover how at bose.co.uk. Bose. Focus on.